Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, and review. Hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored, as always, by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights that legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, the moment we've all been awaiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, Doc? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren. This is Jam Session, the podcast version 248, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. Oh, we've got a lot to dive into in a world in which, especially in the Dallas area now, it, it's it's the Rangers that's about it. You get Cowboys OTAs going on, off-season for the Stars and the Mavs. That slower time of the year, of course. We've got a lot of fun things that we'll delve into. My adventures in Arkansas. All sorts of stuff that we'll go back and forth on. But before we get into any of that, did you have a Memorial Day accident? Maybe you were just hanging out and all of a sudden a canoe fell on you and crushed your leg. And you're like, what, what the hell is this? Maybe you were driving somewhere and a car ran a red light and smashed into you. Know what you need to do? Yeah. It's Greening Law. Robert Greening and the Green Team, the staff at Greening Law, 972-934-8900. I'm telling you, I've been working with them now. I think many of you are aware of this for a while. I actually talked to him on Thursday. No, it was Friday. It was Friday afternoon because we were driving to Arkansas. I talked to him in the car, and they were talking about my care and about what I've been going through and what else they think that needs to get done and just some of these things. And the best part of it is, I was like, oh, well, so what do I need to do? Go, oh, you don't need to do anything. We'll send you a list, and then you can pick and choose what you want to do. We'll set it up for you. Don't worry. I was like, this is awesome. That's the type of work that they do. They take care of all that for you, truly so that you can just focus on getting back to the way, hopefully, that you were before you had your accident. Dude, that's why they do what they do. Uh, And that's how a phone call can change your life. You pick up the number, you call it 972-934-8900. You say, hey, here's the details of my case. What do you think? And if they take you on for a client, as Matt can attest to, it's one of the best things that will happen to you after a bad situation. Yeah, it is. Oh, oh, and a phone call don't cost nothing. That's exactly right. The consultation's free, and you can find out, do you have a case? And they'll let you know. And if they take you on like they did with me, uh, they do all the behind-the-scenes work. They really are your fierce legal competitor against the insurance companies. So give them a call, 972-934-8900. It's 972-934-8900. Robert Greening, offices, Dallas, Texas. Oh, those Dallas Mavericks. We now know, of course, the season has come to an end, and it's been a few days, and you start looking at this thing. It's It feels like their number one priority that they are going to make the key of the offseason is figuring out a way to sign Jalen Brunson. 
Jalen Brunson, who, of course, in the Utah series, if Jalen Brunson isn't on the team, I don't think they get out of the first round, quite honestly, just because Luka was hurt. He didn't play early in that series against Utah, and he really kind of put himself on a different level when they went through the playoffs kind of as a guy who could be that number two scorer. It's going to be interesting. Can they sign him? Will it make sense? Will, does he want to stay in Dallas and play second fiddle no matter what? No matter how good he ever becomes, he's never going to be Luka Doncic. Does he perhaps want to go to another team? The top two teams that seem to be wanting of his services are Detroit and the New York Knicks. Both those teams suck. Do you want to leave <laughs> a, a good situation in Dallas? You may not be the superstar to go play at the bottom rung of the NBA with Detroit or New York. This is going to be a really interesting decision, not just from the Mavs, but from Jalen Brunson's perspective as well, I think. Nah, man, I think, um, uh, you know what? There's a lot of moving parts to it. Like, you don't get a lot of opportunities to play with a guy like Luka. I think that matters. I also think it matters that he won championships at Villanova. Like, he been through some losing in Dallas. Losing in the NBA ain't no fun. And so I think when you look at those two raggedy organizations we're talking about, the Knicks and the Pistons, you go, I know I can win in Dallas as long as Luka's here. I mean, we're going to be good. Um, and I think that plays a role in it, man. I mean, you want your money, and all those deals will be similar. Right, yeah. Um, but you said something that's really interesting to me, bro. Is it a good fit? Like, I got, I didn't like, I understood it, but I didn't like the Tim Hardaway deal because I'm like, Tim Hardaway can't be your second best player, bro. You're not going to win anything with that. Right. And so I look at Jalen Brunson and I go, okay, if he's my second highest paid player and he costs me, what's the word I'm looking for? Flexibility. No matter how much I love him, I'm trying to win a championship. Can he be my – he can't be – can I win a championship with him as my second best player? And the answer, I think, is no. And so it, it creates a dilemma of, like, I can't let him just walk. Is the sign and trade the right thing to do if I can find the right spot? I mean, I don't know, but these are tough, tough questions for Nico and uh, Jay Kidd. Yeah, and, and, and Nico has said flat out that it's basically priority number one. Like, the big thing this offseason is re-signing Jalen Brunson. It, second best player is, is interesting to me because if Jalen Brunson is your second best player and you also had somebody who could play defense and protect the rim and grab rebounds, if you had that person and he wasn't your second best player, could you win a championship? I mean, I think it depends on who it is. I mean, if you're talking... I'm not, well, it's not. It can't be Powell and it can't be Maxi Kleba because we've seen that that's not going to work. So it's got to be somebody right. a rung above what those guys are able to do. Well, I meant. Well, are we talking elite like Rudy Gobert? Are we talking, you know, the dude from the Knicks uh, who's free? You know, what level are we are we talking about? See, and, and Rudy Gobert is interesting to me. It's not like he's done anything with Utah, and they've got him and Donovan Mitchell, and they've done nothing in the playoffs. Part of the reason why is because it's so easy to go small. I mean, yeah, he's going to grab you some rebounds. He can defend the rim, but hell, the Mavs did this to him. The Mavs had Kleba just take him outside and clear the lane, and then they don't have their rim protector in the middle. So is Rudy Gobert really a guy that it would force you to, if, if he's going to be down there, you know, teams can clog the middle because they can pull, if, if they're going to leave Gobert down in the middle, they clog the middle, which will hurt the penetration the Mavs like to do where Luka drives and kicks it out. 
Or on defense, the opposite fact of that is, it's as the Mavs demonstrated and other teams have, there are times, especially in a playoff series, where you can pull Gobert out of the middle and then he's he's not a perimeter defender. Right. And, and that's, you know, what do we say? You got to take the good with the bad, the bitter with the sweet. You have to understand when you get him all the things he can do and all the ways he can help. And then all the ways he takes away from what you're doing and you ask yourself, is it a good fit? This is not NBA 2K. It's got to be the right fit at the right price. Yeah, and you also have to realize that with Gobert, it's a sign and trade because he still has four years and like $170 million left on his contract. So if they were going to make a move for Gobert, it would cost them. I mean, I don't think anybody cares if Tim Hardaway Jr. was in the deal, but it also would cost them one or two other players just to make the money work. Hardaway right. Jr. would be the starting point. You probably would put Powell or Kleba in that package. And then depending on the, uh, the money, you may even have to add a third player just to make the money work. I, and then again, it goes back to my point. This is where this is going to be very interesting. I've, I've seen some names that were thrown out there. JaVale McGee's an unrestricted free agent this summer. He has been, you know, he was solid as, as Aiton's backup in Phoenix this past year. Uh, Nurkic, the, the dude from Portland, depending on what the trailblazers decide to do and how they want to look for that. You know, there's going to be some names out there that Mo Bamba, for instance, in, in Orlando, who was a top 10 pick like four years ago, finally had a decent season this year and shot 38% from three-point line this past season. He's seven feet tall. Is that a guy who might be able to at least still stretch the floor a little bit for you that would be a good fit because he's able to defend the rim defensively? Well, I think so because he's a guy, 10 points, eight rebounds. He can move. He's an athlete still. He's not just, you know, he's not, you know, he's not Rudy Gobert. He's a, he's a more fluid right, athlete. Right, yeah. And so when, I think when you're talking like that, especially if you figure he's third or fourth year in the league, maybe he's finally figured it out. And he don't need the ball. You already got Luka. You can't have anybody who needs the ball. They got to score on garbage. Yeah, and, and point being with the guy who's been in the league for a little bit of time, you're talking about he's a career 35% three-point shooter. Again, he had a career-high 38% this year. He attempts about four or five three, threes a game. So a decent amount. But he's like, like if Gobert is out on the perimeter, nobody's going to go guard him. It, you don't have to. You just stay in the lane and be like, cool, pass it to him. He's not going to shoot from out there. Bamba at 38%, it's just different, but that's the type of guy I wonder, could you sign Jalen Brunson? He's your second best player, but you have a guy like a Mo Bamba who can do some of those things that you need to do that there's, there's a massive hole on this team for, but he obviously would not be your second and probably not even your third best player. Now, I mean, I think to me, if we're just talking about those types of guys, yeah, that makes the most sense to me. Because, again, I say he's athlete. He kind of fits into what you're already doing. You can't have a guy like, even if you love a lot of the stuff Rudy Gobert does, you can't have a guy like that if you have to build some stuff kind of just for him because you're already at a certain level. You're just trying to take it one more notch this year and you're trying to figure out the best way to do it. Yeah, and reality of it is, is even without Brunson, they're going to be in luxury tax territory next season. If they add Brunson for, and it's thought that he's going to get 80 to $90 million for four years, and somebody's going to pay him. If the Mavs decide, okay, we're going to, we've got it, we're going to match whatever it is that happens to be out there. And where does that go? And, and, and Cuban, I think if he believes that it's going to make them title competitive, I don't think he has a problem 
paying the luxury tax. I really don't. I don't, I don't think so. I, I think he, when he talks about re-signing your boy, he already knows what that means. Um, and then the question becomes, again, dog, you know, understand after Utah is like, hey, pay Jalen Brunson whatever he wants, whatever he needs, he got it, right, he's earned yeah, it, yeah. he's terrific, homegrown, point guard, all that makes sense until you go, okay, now that's great. But you can't – if we're talking long-term, can you have Doncic, can you have uh, Finney Smith, can you have Tim Hardaway, and can you have Brunson? And I look at those four players and I go, dude, I don't want none of those – I mean, those three players, I don't want none of those guys to be my second-best player. Yeah, and, and their hand was forced with Tim Hardaway Jr., man. It, that's the one – and I wasn't mad about that. No, and you didn't really have an option. And just based on how everything looked, I mean, you kind of you're hoping that Dinwiddie can kind of be what he is. I liked the Mavs with Brunson. I mean, obviously they were the second best team in the regular season from whenever it was, like the beginning of the year till the end of the season. They can play really good basketball with Brunson and Dinwiddie playing on a certain level. I just wonder, it, it, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out with the contracts and what it will take to keep these guys and do they want to continue to add? Because it, you can't just sign Brunson. You, you have to. It's obvious. No, no, no. Can't just be Brunson, dog. No, you, you have got to go get somebody who can grab some damn rebounds. You have Check. to have somebody on this team that can rebound outside of Luka. And see, that's why uh, that's why your boy in Orlando, you know, sounds good. Because right. it's like 10, 10 points, 8 boards. But he was only playing like. A limited amount of minutes. I mean, he wasn't playing like 40-something minutes a game. And so, you know, if you're talking about that, man, Mo Bamba, to me, young guy, I like the fact that he's just not figuring it out, so he's still got room to improve, uh, which may also make his price go up a little bit. But, uh, you know, I don't mind that. But the bottom line is I think the, the, the Mavericks, if they just added Brunson and they had Hardaway back and all of that, they would have the regular season team to win 60 games. Yeah. But come playoff time, the same old poop we saw this year, it would happen to them at some round, be it the finals, be it the NBA finals, be it the conference finals, be it the second round, whatever. At some point, they'd run into some team with a couple jumping jacks uh, in the front court, and they'd get hammered again. Yeah, you just you can't do it, man. When when Luca and Luca's a, he's like Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd was a phenomenal rebounding guard, and Luca's the same way. But you cannot have they played eighteen playoff games this year. Luca Doncic led them. He averaged ten rebounds a game in the playoffs. The next highest, Dorian Finney-Smith was the only other Mav who averaged over five rebounds a game in the playoffs. Not going to get it you done, man. How is that happening? How do you not have a big on this team that can average, I'm talking five rebounds a game in the playoffs, much less eight to ten rebounds a game? That, when you look well, at what happened to them against uh, the Warriors in that final series there, man, and they were out-rebounded colossally in the series, and the it was really the offensive rebounds. I was reading somewhere where they got, I, I think it was 14 points more in offensive and second chance points. Yeah, 13 second chance points, 13.8 second chance points a night for Golden State. I mean, you, you can't have that type of a thing in, in, a, in a playoff series like that and think you're going to win. I mean, you shouldn't, even if you can cut that in half, all of a sudden the Mavs are way more competitive. Yeah, it, I mean, but, you know, the way they constructed their team and all of that, that's who they were ended up with. Yeah. Um, Dwight Powell is it kind of a really good at his one dimension, but he's a one-dimensional player. He's a pick-and-roll guy. Yep. 
uh, that's what he does. And if you're playing that style, he can actually help you. But you saw what happened when they put him in on defense. He got abused, man. Yeah. So they couldn't really play him. And, you know, they, it's every team has flaws. Every team has weaknesses. You know, theirs was the way they constructed their team, that rebounding was going to be a problem because they, they don't play nothing but Luke. I mean, I was going to say Luke and a bunch of six foot seven guys. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right, man. It is, it is, it very much is a problem. And I think that's the big thing they've got to address. Obviously, they want to sign Brunson, but kick ass. If you re sign him, you're going to run into this thing again. You've got to be able to have the flexibility to do something else, whether it's a sign and trade. And I got to tell you, man, and I, you wonder, would anybody out there even be interested in Hardaway Jr.? Because you watch what happened when he was hurt and injured. It, they don't need him. They've got a guy they do not need that they're paying a colossal amount of money to. Yeah, I think the problem is it's not that they need him. He's just when you have Tim Hardaway, then he's playing 30 minutes. Bullock is playing 30 minutes. Finney Smith is playing 30 minutes yeah. as opposed to two of those guys playing 40-plus. And in a regular season, that's why I said you could have Hardaway, and in a regular season you could bring back the same team, and they might win 60 games uh, easy. Well, you know, relatively speaking. Uh, but come playoff time, it'd be the same thing. If you hit your threes, you win. If you don't, you you lose. And you, you just can't win like that enough to win the championship. And that's the new standard we're talking about. We're talking about championships. Uh, that's what they're after. And now, I mean, the reality is the, the, the standard has been set for the Mavericks. They have a super, superstar, one of those rare stars. So you got that, and now – You've shown us you got a good coach and what you can do, and now that's the that's kind of the standard. It's 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 moved to me into championship or bust uh, status. Yeah, Underst- understanding that they ain't gonna win it every year. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean it, it's. I would yes, they have reached that status, which is wild to think. And so now it's how do you put the pieces in the right places to make that a reality to where that can happen? Because I think you learned a lot playing Golden State. And if you can take what you learned from that, I mean, obviously, Luca has to realize you can't come into a season. People were saying he was 20, 30 pounds overweight when he came into this. You can't do that. He ha- and he knows that. He's talked about that. He knows he needs to learn better defense. He also talked about how ha- he's 23 years old, and he is, and he's learning, and he's going to be better. He's already so good that we kind of forget how little experience he really has in the NBA and how young he still is. And right. all these things are teaching him lessons and, and learning him, hopefully, so that at some point he, you take all these things that we've learned and then you can be the next Warriors or what have you, where you're a championship competitive team that in the next decade can win three or four titles. No, I mean, I think that's, that's the goal. That's what you're talking about. That's what you're looking forward to. And the good thing is it appears like, Jay Kidd is such that he can tell him these things and that Luca is receptive enough to listen. And so if he does, to me, you know, success is just a matter of when it occurs, not if it occurs. And we're talking about success at the highest level because he's already been successful. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, he has that experience now. I think it's a matter. That's another reason why I like Brunson so much because Brunson understands what it takes to win championships. He did it in college. I, I like the drive of Brunson and how he has just gotten drastically better every year he's been in the league too. And I like the idea that you don't have to have Luca out there all the time, especially with Dinwiddie. The fact they've got three dudes that can handle the ball and create their own offense. I almost feel like now re-sign Brunson and figure out how you upgrade the role players' abilities around those three guys. Again, 
that's a tough thing. I know. Role it players is, are, it is. Role players are role players for a reason. And guess what? The better the role player, the what? The more money it costs. That's true. And and that's, yeah, that's Tim Hardaway Jr., who's a damn good role player, and it cost him way too damn much money to keep that guy around. That That's the Shinsu Chu contract to me. A guy that you knew could produce, that probably can do some things at a certain level for you, but at some point you look at it and go, man, kind of wish we didn't have that one. Yeah, it, the thing for Tim Tim Hardaway is the circumstance and situation just felt just right for him. They but, really you know, did. Had, I mean, was, and like I said, there was no real free agents you wanted to do last year. The Mavericks needed to spend the money on something. Okay, I mean, we see how he helps us, so well, let's do it. But like, I mean, like I said, he was never ever should be. I mean, he's really a guy who should be like your fifth or sixth best player. Yeah, I mean, for a dude who, and look, he, he was injured, but even when he was not injured this year, his three-point shooting dropped way off. He was down at 33%. His field goal percentage was under 40% for the first time in like four seasons. He was averaging 14 points a game, down from almost 17 points a game last year. So all that stuff, fairly or unfairly, kind of come into it. But I will say this, I didn't think they'd find anybody that would want to trade for Chris Stapps Porzingis. Now, there's always a trade to be done. You just have to find it. Uh, and it may not find it may not happen exactly when you want it, but as long as you work in it, and you know there's no I mean they know how to do what they're doing, um, it it can happen. It can it, it can happen, but we're talking. It's, he's got three years left, and he'll be taking nineteen million on the cap this year, seventeen million the next year, and sixteen in year three. Maybe somebody's like, oh well, he's declining sixteen million. I don't know. I mean, maybe there's somebody out there. Well, that, you're going to have to take some of their trash back, too. Yeah, and that's, I mean, reality of it is the Kristaps Porzingis trade, to be fair, Bertans was kind of the trash, essentially. Exactly. I mean, a, a guy that I don't think anybody was expecting much of that got paid way too much when he originally signed his contract. He got a five-year, $80 million contract, and Bertans came with three years left on that thing. I, mean, I don't think people realize this. Davis Bertans is making $16 million a year. Bro, I saw that man. Yeah. And I was when I was trying to figure out who he was. I saw that. <laughs> so that's like you're talking. You got to take the trash back. You you got to pay a dude who you only want to play ten minutes a game, and you want him to shoot four shots a game. You're paying that guy sixteen million dollars a year, and you don't even feel good about him unless he make the first one. Yeah, exactly. That's man. God, isn't that the truth with him? <laughs> That is so true, man, because watching those games, Bertans would come in, and he'd shoot a three. But like, all right, here we go, and he'd miss you. But, God, get him out of the game. Yeah, maybe give him two shots. No more <laughs> no more than two, though. That's so true. Every time he shot it, I would think that. But, I mean, again, you wanted somebody to take Porzingis. Porzingis is gone, and now we've got $16 million a year Bertans for the next three seasons. Glad it ain't my paper. <laughs> That's the truth. I'll tell you something that you can be glad about, though, and that is Bruce Biltong. Have you ordered your brews yet? B-R-U-S, BruceBiltong.com. If you haven't had a chance, you need to go there right now. BruceBiltong.com, promo code JAM15, 15% off when you check out. Doesn't matter how many times you've ordered it or if it's your first foray into the world of Biltong. I'm telling you. I ordered it. I have about half a bag left. I even had some that we gave to my lady friend's family, and they loved it. When we were in Arkansas, they're like, man, what is this? This is like the best beef jerky ever. I go, uh-uh. It's not beef jerky. 
It's a South African dried meat. It's tell them that. It, it's biltong. It's like beef jerky, but it's better because it's more savory. It's more tender. Zero artificial ingredients. Zero sugar. Crazy high in protein. I honestly don't know what's not to like about Brews Biltong. Nothing. It's perfect. It's the perfect food. It's the perfect snack. Um, I like it. Why? Because I like to work out, and I like the 40 grams of protein. 30 grams of protein to the 240 calories. That's how I like to get down. And I'm telling you, the slice biltong, mind-blowing. It is. It's so good, man. I mean, honestly, because I'll work out when we finish recording the podcast, and then that means that I'll be eating some biltong later this evening. Because after my workout, I always eat about a handful of biltong because it's so high in protein. It's lean. I love it. It's a wonderful, wonderful snack. I'm telling you. Bruise Biltong. It's B-R-U-S-B-I-L-T-O-N-G at bruisebiltong.com. Promo code JAM15. Also, of course, JR and his guys at Freeway Tire Shop been talking to you about this for forever. And I know because every so often we'll have people message and they'll say something about like, man, Freeway sounds amazing, but I live I live in Allen or I, I live closer to Fort Worth, whatever the case may be. And I always ask them, I say, seriously, is it worth it to you to take your car to a shop and wonder when you get it back if you just got screwed over? Because, <laughs> because if it is, then keep just going close to your house. But no matter where you live, I'm telling you, for the peace of mind, the quality of service that you're going to get, it is worth it getting over to Freeway Tire Shop. Freeway Tire, he is the best. And, you know, I take all my cars over there because I trust JR and I, I trust him as I've told you guys before. I trust him to diagnose the issue. That's always number one on the list, man. Then I trust him to use quality parts to fix the car. I trust him to charge me a fair price. And this is a big one for me. I trust him to stand behind his work. Nobody's perfect. Uh, if, the, if the same problem continues, you bring it back. JR says, oh, here you go. Here it is. We thought we had it. We didn't. It's fixed. It's done. It's not a conversation. It's a get done thing. Get it done. It's easy. Freeway Tire Shop online at freewaytireshop.com. Request a quote, schedule an appointment, all right there online at freewaytireshop.com. So we'll take this trip around the block and some fun things to get into here. First off, I am fresh off my family vacation. I took my son and we went with my lady friend and her brother and his wife and her parents, her mom and her stepdad, and all seven of us for a weekend in Hot Springs, Arkansas. And I will tell you, we canoed 10 miles down a river in Arkansas, 10 miles in a canoe. 10. I'm impressed, dog. Now, how did Young Maddox enjoy? Because, uh, well, number one, how long did it take? And then how did he enjoy? It took about six hours. Dude. I mean, was there like, and I'm just asking because I ain't been. Is that six hours of furious paddling? Or, <laughs> or are we paddling and then we chilling for 30 minutes and then we paddle some more? Oh, no, you can't chill for 30 minutes. You cannot chill for 30 minutes. But it, it's, so I guess, man, I, it's probably, <sighs> trying to think like a percentage on this. So some, some of it would be like uh, on Sunday where we were, it was really windy for points. And there were a couple of times we were paddling into the wind and that was tough. But for the most part, I mean, there's a natural current in the river and it's actually a fairly strong current. So that even if you don't paddle, it'll push you along, but you got to steer it and you got to make sure you don't run over into rocks or up on the shore or whatever. And so 
I would say you kind of furiously paddling does happen for sure. There are times where you're like, you know, dig, go, go. And you got to paddle hardcore to navigate through a, a, a quicker, like a rapids type area or whatever. But you told uh, me wasn't going to be no rapids, man. Well, and it's not rapids. It's not rapids, rapids, uh, but it's where okay. the water is picking up and you got to navigate like a tight turn or something like that. All right, because y'all heard him say rapids, even though he told me and y'all it wasn't rapids, but he said rapids. But I would say that you're light. You're at least lightly paddling eighty percent of the time. All right, so did Maddox enjoy it? Yeah, he liked it quite a bit. He had a really good time. He paddled some. You know, we we, you like it's not six hours nonstop. Like we got out at one point, had lunch, and swam and went fishing for like thirty minutes. So oh, okay, okay, I would okay. say, like, if we had not stopped and gotten out, it would have taken five hours to do the 10. The t- you're doing about two miles an hour, probably. Oh, all right, all right. And uh, I assume that the scenery is beautiful. Oh, my God. it's. There were points on the river where we did not see or hear another human being for, like, an hour at a time. Wow. And it was incredible. I mean, it, you just look around, and it's it's all nature. It's all natural. You're on a river. It's not man-made or anything like that. And I'm just sitting there going, man, this is when when the Native Americans were in this land, this is they were doing this on canoes down this very same river. I mean, it's just so natural and gorgeous. I mean, and it's it's very serene and peaceful. I mean, there are times where I kind of wish that somebody else was paddling so I could I could have just fallen asleep and just enjoyed it. It was that relaxing. (laughs) Sounds like it, bro. Sounds like it. Um you know, maybe uh, maybe I have I put that on my list of things to consider, and that would have never been on my list of things to consider. Yeah, and it's really peaceful. It's fun. You know, we have a good time. We've done it with her family a few years now, and and this was the first time Maddox went with us. But man, I'll tell you, it's you're out in the sun. It's tiring. You know, the sun's just beating down on you, and it's you know it wasn't too hot, which is nice. And I thought that I did a really really good job with my like. I can't stand being sunburned. I hate it. Like, <laughs> I would ra- kind of fair. So. Yeah, and I would rather just be pale. I don't care. I will lather myself in sunscreen. And, man, I, I, I reapplied it multiple times, and yet somehow there is a weird, like, chunk of my knee that I, I apparently completely missed with sunscreen. Really? And it is fried. Oh, wow. But it's just, like, one little area on, like, not my whole knee, like, half of one side of my knee. I don't know how I missed it. Dude, yeah, I don't need That's kind of weird. And then the area where I wear my Fitbit on my wrist, I should That's have, probably funny. Should have taken my Fitbit off and put sunscreen on that part, and I didn't. And so, obviously, the sunscreen didn't get all the way up to my Fitbit. And so, like, probably a finger on each side of my Fitbit is, like, bright red. <laughs> you got to take a picture of that. Bro. It's really probably, weird, man. That's probably pretty funny. Is it as, is it as funny as my missing mustache? No, your missing mustache is way better. <laughs> but it is weird. Like on one of my legs, like I, I don't like I have splotchy sunburn where I guess when I applied my sunscreen, I didn't smooth it out well enough. It's just it's really a, I, like I you know, most of my body is not sunburned at all. It's just these weird little splotches that I got where I didn't evenly yeah. apply my sunscreen. Uh, how did uh, how did you how did uh, Maddox fare? Did he come away unburned? Oh, he came away unburned. But and I, you know, I, I put sunscreen on him and made sure he got lathered up a couple of times. And you know, because when you're a little kid and you get sunburned and whatnot, you it's just miserable and you complain. Like when you're an adult, you're like, well, I did it to myself. Whatever, I just got to suck it up. Right, right. Even if it can be a little uncomfortable, which it, it definitely sunburn is just so uncomfortable. I never ever want to mess with it. 
Bro, well, you know, I, I um, how was I gonna say this? You know, because of the melanin in the skin of black folks, you know, sunburn isn't nearly we're not nearly as consumed with it as uh, white folks are. Yeah, yeah, uh, I figured. So in the seventh grade, I was at a uh, I think it was the seventh grade. I was at a soccer tournament uh, all day, you know, weekend all weekend, just doing what I do, and I uh, didn't think anything about anything. And then, bro. Uh, it was is one day, a couple days after that, I'm in the neighborhood talking to one of my boys. Said something funny, and he hit me on the back of the neck like, "Ha ha ha, that's a good one," and I almost jumped to the sky. Back of my whole neck was all sunburned, and I didn't even realize it. Really? And that's when I realized that oh, that's a myth out there uh, that uh, black people don't get sunburned. Now, some people don't, depending on how dark you are. It just means you more you got more melanin in your skin. But uh, for me, man, nah, I'm a sun, I'm a, uh, I'm a sunscreen guy, and uh, I've always had to make sure that the kids had it because, dude, I will get sunburned. Yeah, no, nah, I mean, it, it, it's the worst. I remember my, my best friend, Nick, we went to South Padre together with Brandon and another dude. This would have been, I think it was our senior year of college or maybe the summer after we graduated college. There were four of us. And right. we rented a condo down there, and, and, and it was us four. And it, we didn't go for spring break or anything, so there wasn't, like, a ton of college people there or anything. But, man, the first day we got there, and I don't remember if he forgot to put on sunscreen or what the hell happened. Nick got so badly burnt that in the middle of the night, we kept waking up because you. I, this is not an exaggeration. Like, he was purple. And in the, in the night, you'd hear this, and it was Nick because he was in such pain that every, like he couldn't roll over. And it ended like he was trying to just sit and sleep sitting up so that he didn't have to lay on anything or have the sheets touch him or anything. And he right, kept right, getting right. really cold. And then, I mean, it was insane. I'll never forget that. And, and it got to a point where the next day he couldn't go do anything with us. And he decided to go out that night with us because we were going to go see a movie or something. And he was sitting there in the movie theater, and he's like, uh, and I was like, oh, my <laughs> God, dude. It was, I felt so bad for him. I, I got to see if he's got a picture of that somewhere because I am telling you, the dude was freaking purple. Like, it was beyond, like, red. Like, he was bad, bad. Wow, dude. No, man, it's not burning. It's not burning. Ain't no joke, bro. You got to respect the burn. Got to definitely respect the burn. Yeah, and I, I just, I cannot stand the way that it feels to be sunburned. And so I'll do whatever you got to do to make sure that it, that doesn't happen, which I thought I did on the canoe, but I guess not. So, oh, you and, know, the it, other, yes, I was going to say the other thing is uh, what I've, I had to learn once before I, you know, just when you used to having hair and then you don't have hair. Oh, that, yeah. that protects the old scalp from sunburning, bro. And if you forget to wear a hat, brother. It literally feels like your head is searing. That's wild. Yeah, that would be. I have no desire for that, and I, I just I try to avoid it. We also were able to play some putt putt golf while we were in Arkansas. We went and did you know like a, a one of those family fun centers. We did go karts and putt putt golf and all that, which was cool. Yeah. And I got to give some props because I take my putt putt seriously. I'm a good putter, right? I'm I'm a fairly decent golfer. My lady friend's mom dominated putt-putt golf. Is that right? And I thought to the point where I was like, okay, did she play golf at one point? Is she an LPGA person? 
I was going to say, what's her deal? Angles? I don't know. I mean, she somehow, every time she'd putt, would wind up like half a foot from the hole. Wow. Now, putt-putt was really cool for me at one particular time in my life. It's a lot of fun, man, and it's super affordable usually. Yeah, I don't know why we stopped playing putt-putt. I really don't have a good answer. Uh, But I was thinking about it lately in my name drop because when I was at Dion's house, he has... He's in the middle. He's halfway done with building a seven-hole putt-putt course uh, on his property. That's kind of awesome. <laughs> I mean, dude, dude, of all the stuff he showed me, he was clearly most proud of that. Yeah, that's. I think that would be really, really cool. And, and you know, I mean, now like there's some putt-putt courses that are just they got everything and, and all these cool holes and. The different angles and whatnot. And I, I did well. I mean, there's a couple of holes where I wish that I could have a couple of strokes back. But she ended up beating me because I finished second. And she beat me by three shots. Wow. She was smoking. Oh, she was. I mean, it was impressive. I mean, you look at her scorecard. It was just nothing but twos and threes. She even had a hole in one. I didn't have a hole in one. I was like, come on, man. Wow. It's putt-putt golf. What am I doing here? I felt I felt embarrassed. I let my, I let my lady friend down when... <laughs> We, we did not have a good showing collectively as a trio. Wow. What can you do? We did the best we could. And that's all you can do sometimes, bro. Yeah, it is. And, and I also discovered that my body at this age is just not made for go-karts. It's, really? Dude, Dude my knee, it, the angle that I have to sit in the go-kart, my knee, just, I could not handle it. Like, it got to a point where I, I, I just took my foot off the gas because I had to stretch my knee out while I'm driving. Really? Oh, it was extremely uncomfortable. Dude, I, were, did they look like indie cars? Uh, no, they were just like the open, like the little open go-karts. Oh, okay. Nothing yeah, fancy. Wow. Not, not fancy at all. Ah, oh, dude, that's too bad. I never thought about that. Yeah, it is that's too bad. That's a downside of being tall. <laughs> yeah, being tall and having a bad knee that it just was like a point. I was like, man, this is extremely uncomfortable for me right now. So much so that, you know, it's, it's these high school kids or whatever that are managing the go-kart place. And w- when you finish, like I came in and I was done. Like I had to get out of the car. I felt like my knee was going to explode. And they're like, all right, stay seated, stay seated. I just jump out of the car. Sir, stay seated, stay seated. I was like, no, I'm done. And I just walked off. I was like, <laughs> they probably thought I was a total asshole. But I was like, man, I can't, I cannot stay seated for another two seconds. I can't do it. Nope, can't I have do it. Got to stretch that. I have to stretch this knee, and I has to be done right this second. So I did. That's exactly what I did. But other than that, everything's fun. I mean, I, Arkansas is one of those states. I feel like there's states like Arkansas and Alabama that get a bad knock for whatever reason. You know, right. there, there's the old, oh, Arkansas, huh? Well, watch out, you know, if, if you see a girl, she might think you're her brother. <laughs> you know, you, you hear silly redneck backwoods jokes and stuff, but the reality of it is... I mean, there's a reason why Arkansas is known as the natural state. It is, it is a gorgeous, gorgeous state. There are so many beautiful areas, especially when you get like north and northwest of Arkansas, of uh, Little Rock. It's just a lot of, I think, very underrated beauty and things to do in that part of Arkansas. All right. I see that. I, have a, uh, I had a, a cousin who used to live in Little Rock, so we used to go to Little Rock fairly frequently. Yeah. Uh, but outside of that, I haven't really explored it much. You know, I've heard about uh, my mom used to go to Hot Springs and hang out, uh, you know, 30, 40 years ago. And yeah. uh, uh, I passed through Hope a lot on the way uh, off of, uh, you know, headed to Memphis and Nashville. 
But outside of that, bro, I haven't spent much time in Arkansas. Yeah, it's it's really, really pretty. And like Little Rock, even Little Rock downtown, it's much like a lot of downtowns now where they've done a lot to kind of revitalize certain areas of it. And there's a lot of fun, cool things to do. And it's very walkable. And, you know, downtown Little Rock is right on a river. There's a lot of it's it's. Little Rock is also an underrated city. I mean, there are parts of Little Rock when you're driving around, you're like, man, okay, I can see why there's some appeal to living here. This is a cool area. No, I get that. Uh, you know, a guy like you who uh, who's really out into nature and appreciating it when, yeah. uh, when he can, it, uh, you know, obviously makes a much larger impact on us than on city folks. So the other thing to get to here in this trip around the block, and this is one of the more bizarre stories, I think, maybe in forever, but that is the Jock Peterson Tommy Fam fantasy football deal, <laughs> in which the Cincinnati Reds Tommy Fam slapped the San Francisco Giants Jock Peterson because they are in a fantasy football league together, and Fam accused him of cheating by stashing players on his bench, and apparently decided to confront him in a game about this or whatever and ends up slapping him. And Major League Baseball suspended him for three games because of this. Dude, there's so much wrong in, in this that uh, I, don't, <laughs> I don't even know where to start. I laughed about that man all weekend. It's just so – like, it seems like they're doing a bit. Like, this is a fa- – like, this would be like a Saturday Night Live sketch. Dude, exactly. Like, like number one, this is not the Emmys and the Oscars where there's some degree of decorum. We're out here two grown men on a baseball field. Yeah. You really think you can walk up to slap me and that's the end of it? Dude, I used to tell you this all the time, or I've told people this all the time. I'm sure I told you a couple of times. In a locker room, when somebody talks crazy to you, if you don't deserve it, you haven't done some egregious thing to cause it. Dude, it's like, dog, I'm firing back just on GP. I just can't let you treat me like a chump in front of everybody and think that I can walk back in here with the same level of respect, you know, the next day or the next time I'm in here. So I can't believe Jock Peterson could let another grown man in that, in that field come up, slap you, and just be like, oh, it's all right, I get it. No biggie. It's over and done with. Yeah, very, very bizarre. <laughs> I mean, very bizarre. Because the, the slap, bro, is all about the disrespect. The punch is, I'm mad at you, blah, blah, blah. The slap is is not only am I mad at you, I have zero respect for you, and I'm going to show you that I have zero respect for you. Yeah, and and then you find out, like, the reason behind it. And it's, like, when, when you first heard about this, I was thinking, oh, what? Like, did, is there, like, a woman involved? Is there some sort of, I don't even know. <laughs> and And then you find out it's because... According to Peterson, he says, there was no argument. He came up to me, said, remember from last year? And Peterson goes, fantasy football? And then he gets slapped. (laughs) And apparently in their league, Peterson put a player on IR that had been ruled out for that week, even though he was not listed as being on IR. And because they have limited IR spots, and that allows you when you move a dude from your bench to IR, you can acquire another player if you want to use him because he's not taking up a roster spot. And Fam says that that's not allowed and got pissed because of this, even though Jock Peterson sent a screenshot of the rules (laughs) and and said, no, like in our rules, the way that it's set up, you can do this. And Tommy Fam got pissed. And Fam basically is saying, you know, look, there's a lot of money involved here. Well, he don't. You don't want to say that, Doc. 
Because then the IRS coming after the winners, you big dummy. Yeah, man. And, and you got to assume, I mean, I'm just playing with 11 other dudes that I've known most of them for years and years, and we have a $100 buy-in. I can't imagine what the buy-in would be with a bunch of millionaires playing. You know, dude, for real. I mean, it could be 100000 easy. I mean, my you know I mean? God. Right. I mean, literally. It, 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 could, it could definitely be 50000 with no problem. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it's something like that. And then if you've got 12 dudes in your league, depending on how you want to make it work, that's $600,000 on the line. Right, right, right. And people, the one thing I've learned in all my years of hanging around rich people, most of whom have been uh, athletes, rich people care about their money, bro, even more than people who don't have money care about their money. I mean, they just, they, they're on it, bro. Um, they're on it. And so... You would be like, oh, the guy makes, uh, you know, $17 million a year. You know, he probably doesn't care all that much about winning $450,000 yeah. in, in a fancy football. Nah, bro, he cares. Why? Because it's my money. <laughs> Dude, I, I will say fantasy football can at times be extremely heated. And a lot of the times it's because you are playing with a lot of your friends, a lot of people that you've known, and there's almost like a brotherhood to it. Yes, there's money on the line, but it's also just extremely competitive. I mean, we've had drafts that I've been at where we've yelled and screamed at each other. Really? Yeah. But I it, mean, it's a, it's a draft. What are y'all yelling and screaming about? Rules or rule changes or sometimes. Yeah, rule changes gets it. I get it. Yeah, it, it, there will be something. Well, why don't we do this? And then last year this happened. And oh, well, okay. You know, especially like with tra trades will piss guys off. Dude, we had a uh, we had a guy in our league because I'm like you, man. Except our league, I I think it fell apart at some point, but it, it was going on. You know, we started in like 1987, 88, bro, and uh, I was still playing for for ten years until I kind of faded away. But um, we had one guy who's who's probably my best friend at the time. He would call up the worst the worst team or the most gullible owner. And he'd send in this trade, and you'd be like, how did you convince this person to do this? And it just upsets the whole balance of the league, and that's why people get so pissed about trades. Yeah, see, and that's what happens in my league, because I'll trade with anybody. Like, it's not my problem if somebody gets ripped off. What do I care? And so, like, there are guys, like, Nick is notorious for, oh, well, it's for the betterment of the league. Like, I didn't make this trade. You know, Matt will make any trade. He doesn't care if it throws. The I was like, what do you mean? I mean, we're, aren't we trying to win? Like one year when I was out of it, I traded a couple of really good players because I wanted to acquire as many keepers as possible. And I said, look, if you guys don't like it, then change the rules. Because <laughs> no, but that's what it is. Like the, the, the one rule in our league about trades is as long as there's no collusion, then it, all trades are, we, we accept them, all of them. I said, right. if you want to change that, then let's talk about changing that. But as it sits right now, you can't put a value. Like I have, let's say, just for easy argument, I have Dak Prescott, Zeke Elliott, and CeeDee Lamb. I trade right. all three of them for a couple of rookies because I think I can't keep any of the players I just listed. The two rookies I'm trading for I can keep, and then maybe I get a bargain of a deal at the draft next year. Now, obviously, the team that's getting my three guys, that's a huge benefit to them. But they're right. giving up keepers. And so I would argue this, and I'd be like, well, there's no way that that keeper is going to be anything. It's like, you don't know that. Like, we don't know. So change the freaking rule if you don't like it. I mean, that's really how, I mean, that's how, and it's all derived from fantasy baseball, but that's how baseball is at the trade deadline. 
you're trading established players a lot of times for young guys in single A or double A, hoping that they turn into something. Cause, and the other team is getting a boost for the team, and your team is worse because you just traded your best players on a bad team. Yeah, and uh, but I mean, again, when you play in a league and you know that you're going to be in it for a long time, there's a lot of that where well, it's, it's, the, it's the shit talking, bro. It is, and there's a lot of that that goes on. There's a lot of back and forth. There's certain guys who don't care as much as others. There's guys that know how to irk everybody. I mean, it just becomes a whole thing. I mean, you'd be surprised. We've had some very, very, very heated arguments in our league before. <laughs> I mean, we've had heated arguments to a point where at one point, I, like we're all in a, a group chat together. Like I'm, I forget what we use, group me. It's like an app where we're all in there together. Yeah. And yeah. it got so much to a point where I just got tired of it and I just I quit the chat. <laughs> and they a couple of guys texted me like, "Oh my god, you left the chat. Like, why did you do that?" And I was like, "I just I'm done. Like, if you guys I was like I said what I needed to say. I was like, "I don't care. If you want to change something, change it. Do whatever you want, but I'm not going to subject myself to this crap." And I was out of it for several months and I they and I'm the commissioner of the league, so <laughs> Like, they would text me, well, I mean, what should we do here? It's like, I don't know. Does everybody want to do it? They're like, well, what do you think? It's like, I don't care. I really just don't care anymore. I'm not going to allow myself to get worked up and heated over fantasy football like I used to. Hey, man. I mean, it, it's like to that. I mean, we've had a couple of guys who have dropped out of the chat for a while. And then you got to go and you text them, like, come back in. It's okay. You know I mean? It's like, Jesus, what are we doing? And we're on there all day, every day. Like, we, we at times, there are, I would guess there's hundreds of messages that we send in that thing every day <laughs> about all sorts of topics. And then it'll get political, and some of the guys like to bring up all this political crap, and I've told them a million times, not everybody here thinks the same way. We do, why do we have to have politics in the group chat? Because right, you guys right. just want to argue and start debate, and then it gets heated again, and then you're like, eh, you know, I'm like, oh, my God. Bees like that, but that's uh, that's these are, wild, man. These are grown men, Jacques. We're grown men doing this. Nah, man, we're all kids at heart. Bro. I guess so. I mean, holy crap! And then, and then, you know, people are just naturally competitive, and you know, some people literally don't like to lose at anything, let alone something like fantasy football that they've invested in. And so they, uh, they, you know, they go to the ends of the of the world to win. I guess so, man. But holy crap! I mean, it gets out of control sometimes. But there you have it. I thought it was funny that he was—he actually read out the thing, like you said, bro. And it was like, really? This is what this is. This was the big argument. It's, yeah, it's hilarious, bro. Oh, you'd you'd be very very surprised. I mean, it's the simplest thing that causes a screaming "f you," no "f you." And next thing you know, you're like, oh, my God, what are we doing? Like, we're best friends. Why are we screaming at each other? I'm, for real, it's happened. I mean, it's happened a handful of times. I mean, again, we're, what is this, year 17 or 18, I think, for the league that I'm in? Right. So, I mean, uh, you have the, the core many, of our league. How many original members you get? I think seven. Seven of us have been in it all 18 years. Wow. And then Juan and Rashid joined, and they've been in it, man, I think 12 years now. All right, all right. So, I mean, again, that's nine out of the 12 have been in it for 12 years that we've all been. And then the other three, Norwood's been in it for like five or six years now. Trying to think, who else am I missing? Oh, Stacey. Stacey's been in it for 17 of the 18 years. Wow. Yeah. And then a new guy, because we had a dude, it just was a, a bad, he just got crazy. And we we're like, you can't be in the league anymore. You're an asshole. Ah! 
Why? How did that go down, bro? What 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 was his crime against the government? Well, he had been in the league. He was one of the original members, and so we gave him some leeway. He just he did some stuff that you it was not cool. Again, not everybody sees eye to eye, and he took some stuff personally and was basically threatening somebody else in the league. And I was like, "What are you doing, man?" And it's it, and so the guy, none of us really liked him, but it's one of Chris's best friends that he grew up with. Right. So I was like, I mean, and then Chris finally was like, well, I don't care if he's in the league. I was like, all right, cool. He's done. <laughs> and so we had to replace him. And that was like three or four years ago. And so we replaced him with a much more level-headed, just even kill guy. So does he just get a terse text like, hey, we decided you're not part of the league anymore. Thanks for your contributions. Good luck. Pretty much. I mean, it always falls on me because I'm the commissioner. So I always have to like anytime there's a dispute or something, I have to try to figure out. And I text everybody like, what's going on? And so, yeah, I text him. I was like, hey, man. You know, this just isn't going to work. Like, the reality of it is, you know, it's. I think it's just best if everybody moves on. And he was like, cool. He's like, yeah, I would right, agree. Right. He's like, I don't need this anymore anyway. I was like, all right, man. Yeah, thanks, buddy. Yeah, but, it, I mean, it's just – and then you sit here, and again, like I said, like – how is this our lives? We're, you, you got a, the bulk of them that are, we're 40 year old plus guys. And, and it's like we, we become high school girls at times when we're in fantasy football. I'll Dude. pull your hair. I mean, God. Hey, man, it's great to wake up with a passion every day. <laughs> it is. It is great to wake up with a passion. So the other thing I wanted to throw out is Top Gun Maverick. And I'm, I'm bringing this up because it, it released, I think it officially came out like last Thursday or whatever like that. Did you see that it is now, it grossed $156 million over the four-day Memorial Day weekend. That is the biggest Memorial Day opening of a movie ever. I'm not, I mean, now that I've heard so much hype, I'm not surprised because everybody's giving it great reviews. Um COVID is kind of done, so people don't need much of an excuse to try to get out a little bit. And I don't mean COVID's done. I just mean, you know, we're back to as normal as we're ever going to be during this COVID thing. And uh, so, nah, man, I, uh, have you, did you go see it? No, I have not seen it. Okay, but I mean, it's rare. I want that to. I very much want to. It's rare that it's kind of universally, you know, a good movie. So, uh, you know. I'm also, not, Surprise. The other weird thing about this, and I, I wonder if this will surprise you, $156 million in opening weekend. Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise, who has been in countless movies, six different Mission Impossibles, all kinds of, I, I think, high-level movies that many of us enjoy. This is the first time in Tom Cruise's acting career that he has had an opening weekend grossing over $100 million. Now, that shocks me. Isn't that nuts? I would have thought, like, Especially like Mission Impossible 2 would have done it. You know, because the first one got good reviews. Yeah. Everybody's waiting for the second one or, you know, any of his other high, you know, highly anticipated movies. Um, no, because he is box office magic. I so mean, no, it, that's it, uh, shocking. It is. It's absolutely amazing to think. And that's domestic box office. He's never had a $100 million opening. As a matter of fact, they are putting this movie right now is on pace where they believe it'll gross well over $300 million at the, at the domestic box office, that will make it the Ooh. highest grossing movie of Tom Cruise's career. Wow. He's only had wow. four that have ever, well, I'm going to say, let's see. So is he overrated? He's had four movies that have grossed over $200 million in his career. The highest grossing movie of his career did $234 million at the domestic box office. 
What was it? You'll, you'll, I'd be surprised if you guess. It's none of the Mission Impossibles. Fourth uh, of July. No, 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 not born on Fourth of July. That that was uh, that was man. That might have been his best acted role because he was nominated for an Oscar for that. That only made seventy million back when it came out in eighty nine ninety. Hmm. All right. What was it? War of the Worlds. Well, I was part of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. I was too. And I thought that, and yeah, okay. I don't remember liking it all that much. I it wasn't I that great. I remember feeling let down. Yeah, I it was it was released in June of 2005, ended up grossing $234 million. That is the highest grossing movie of his career. In second place is Mission Impossible Fallout, which I think is I think that's Mission Impossible 6. And in third place is Mission Impossible 2, which grossed $215 million. In fourth place is Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. And those are the only ones that have grossed over $200 million in his career. Wow. And you, I mean, you think about some of the movies that dude has been in. Minority Report, A Few Good Men, Jerry Maguire, The Firm, Original Top Gun, Rain Man, The Last Samurai, Interview with the Vampire, Edge of Tomorrow, Collateral, Days of Thunder, Jack Reacher, Risky Business. I mean, my God, he's had some damn good movies. And that's why I thought he would have been over, bro. Wow. Yeah, right? I mean, some absolutely genius movies. In his career, at the worldwide box office, he has grossed movies that he has been in. And this includes, like, he was in Tropic Thunder for, like, five minutes. And he was in Austin Powers for just a a little bit of time. Right. Movies he has appeared in, 47 different movies, $11 billion total gross. Not bad. (laughs) How much do you figure he's gotten from that? Dude, I don't know. What do you think his net worth is? You got to think, because he does a ton of stuff. You got to think that that's a couple of billion out of that at least, right? He's made 11 billion, his movies have? Yeah, worldwide. Yeah. You know, because once he became Tom Cruise, he was probably getting executive producer roles and, I mean, you know, credits and all that stuff and, you know, those... 2% 2% of the box off of the gate and all that kind of stuff, which, you know, you know, yeah, he's probably worth a, close to a billion. Well, I was wrong. He is worth $600 million. Hmm. I said close to a billion. So does 600 million count? I guess it's close enough. I mean, that's fine. That's all interesting right, that's, though, man. I mean, that, that's, and, and I got to tell you, man, Tom Cruise is a dude now. I think it's interesting because you look at some of the stuff that he did earlier in his career versus what he does now. To me, now he's just an action star. Playing the same character. Pretty much, right? But God, man, that he does all of his own stunts, which is wild. I mean, there is apparently in the new Mission Impossible that's coming out, he flies a helicopter and it's him flying it. <laughs> that's He's probably giving you the the Tom Cruise experience. Yeah, no, he really is. And, and you know, he broke a leg. I think it was one of the Mission Impossibles where he is, like, holding on to the side of an airplane when it takes off. That was really Tom Cruise doing that. Wow. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff like that. But you, it's, it's really interesting to me because this is something in the last, man, probably, what, the last decade? He's really right. done just nothing but action movies. I guess ever since Rock of Ages, which was that 80s musical, when he played the lead character, Stacey Jack, ever since then, 
Jack Reacher, Oblivion, Edge of Tomorrow, Two Mission Impossibles, another Jack Reacher, American-made Top Gun Maverick, and The Mummy. Yeah, so all action. He's good at it. He is very yeah. good at it. I, I think right now, you know, I wish The Rock would do more of what Arnold did in doing like hardcore, like R-rated action movies and stop nah. doing half these cheesy-ass Disney movies. But I'm I would just collecting I, chicks. I know, but I, I, he could be the best action hero. That, that like the act, he could be the new Arnold Schwarzenegger of like just a, a dynamite kick-ass action movie star. Yeah, no, nah, but yeah, I mean he 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 prefers the Disney crap. You know, maybe it's I'm being serious. Maybe it's matched up with his, with his wrestling demographics, and sort of allows him to double dip or something. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know, man. But uh, yeah, looking at that, I mean, I love Tom Cruise movies. I, I I've I would imagine I've seen pretty much every movie he's ever done, and, and I always think they're super enjoyable. Oh, he's a phenomenal actor, man. Especially, you know, when we were talking about the early stuff where it was A Few Good Men and, and um, you know, The Firm, all that. Yeah, all that oh, stuff, my God. Man, was, Few Good Men is phenomenal. Few Good Men, Rain Man, even Born on the Fourth of July. I mean, you look at some of those movies that he was in. Hell, Jerry Maguire, he was fantastic, and Jerry Maguire playing a sports agent. Yeah, no, I mean, he's, that's why he's Tom effing Cruz. He is, and what's crazy, now obviously he doesn't look like he's 25 anymore, but that dude turned 60 years old at one month, and he does not, like, I, I don't know why, he looks immortal. And that, my friend, is the beauty of working out on a regular <laughs> basis. As well, that's, that's the beauty of working out on a regular basis, as well as good genetics and... Unlimited money yep. for private cook, private all that, private trainer, everything. Private private doctors to keep yep. you know to keep all your plastic surgery straight and everything else. Yeah, he's got it all, man. But uh, very interesting stuff there in that trip around the block. How about a little Smokey John's barbecue for you? You've reached summer. It feels like Memorial Day, and, and once you get into summer, everybody is just all about some barbecue. And what better than Smokey John's barbecue? No, I would say this is the barbecue season, man. This is the time to load it up, take it out. And if you've ever got a question of where you should go, then it's easy. Go over to Smokey John's over there on Mockingbird. It's fantastic. Everything on the menu is literally delicious. And then there's the secret menu. That's right, the secret menu where you can find the jam session bowl, which I tell you all the time is terrific. Mac can tell you it's great, too. It is. It's Again, it's made from scratch. It's your choice. Mac and cheese or mashed potatoes. You get two different meats you can pick to top that with. And then they'll put basically anything you want on top of that, almost like you're loading up a baked potato with the Smokey John's barbecue sauce. I mean, my God, it's fantastic. Only available for Jam Session listeners. It's not on the menu. It's the secret menu. That knowing nod when you order the Jam Session Bowl. So check them out. And I got to email Juan because we're going to try to schedule an interview with him to figure out how all that went with Good Morning America and all that. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So be looking forward to that in the next week or two when we talk to the guys from Smokey John's Barbecue. But check them out right there off Mockingbird just north of downtown Dallas. Also, of course, HFX Foundation Repair. Have you been noticing some cracks? You've been noticing some slope floors, maybe even some soil washout. It happens. That is a sign. You need to call Aaron. Family owned and operated. They service the entire Dallas-Fort Worth area. 817-770-0174. Let them come out for that free, no obligation check. They'll inspect it, give you some pointers. If you don't have any problems, if you do, the good news is they're right there with you the whole way. Getting out in front early is key with these things. (laughs) 
No, man. That's why we always recommend to give Aaron and his team over there at HFX a call and let them give you peace of mind. It's the reason why we jokingly call the colonoscopy for your house. It's because colonoscopy gives you peace of mind and everything's good. Because sometimes it can look like it's good, but it ain't. Aaron and his team make sure that it looks good and it is good. So pick up the phone, give them a call, let them come out and check out your spot. Exactly right, man. They'll do that for you. They also can handle your drainage and gutter installations as well. So give them a call, 817-770-0174. It's HFX Foundation Solutions online at hfxfoundation.com. Those Texas Rangers, man. Now we can turn our attention to those Texas Rangers. It's almost as if they realize, oh, no stars and maps. All right, let's show these guys what we've got. <laughs> They've won five out of six. They have now almost reached, and again, I don't know what's going to happen tonight. They have Tampa Bay at home tonight, so we'll see what happens. But they've won five out of six as we record this on Tuesday afternoon. They are now one game under 500 at 23 and 24. They've been slowly chiseling away over the last month. As a matter of fact, they've got a chance. We're recording this on May 31st, the last day of May. If they win tonight... They will close May at 17 and 10. Dude, go figure. Um, I thought they were done. I remember, yes, I remember a conversation we had. Like, I don't know, if they don't win tonight, they could lose 14 in a row because they had some stretch against the Astros and the Yankees coming up. Um, but uh, they have managed, man, to, um, to hit, to pitch. Play a little defense, aside from the five-hour errors they committed the other day in a loss. But uh, they've been good, man. 21-16 and 16 in the last 37 games. That is not a coincidence. Um, you know, you got to just kind of enjoy the ride while it's here. Yeah, you do. And the uh, reality of it is, like you're talking about, I mean, they've had some guys that have started to slowly come back around. I think you keep hoping that Simeon's going to end up doing something because he's one of those big two free agent signings they had along with Corey Seager. Seeger's been pulling his weight to some degree. Yeah, you'd like to have him hit a little bit more than 232. But man, Marcus Simeon still just the one home run. He is the only regular in the lineup not batting over 200 at this point. You know, we, we've talked about this a lot, man. I believe Eldrin, Adrian Beltre came in and talked to him about it as well as Abanez about... Uh, his first year in Seattle where he wasn't very good after he signed a big contract. Mm -hmm. And I, I think I've told you this before, man. I remember why Ryan Washington telling me, it doesn't make sense for you to put more pressure on yourself. You already got the money. They can't take it from you. But the natural inclination for some people, man, is to press, put that pressure on themselves to prove that they earned the contract. And so Simeon's been hitting better lately. You assume, given his track record, that eventually he'll come around, and we got to always remember this. Another thing that Watch taught me, um, seems common sense, but his grandma used to say, man, common sense ain't common. The season is so freaking long. It's so long that Marcus Simeon could suck until the end of, to the middle of July, turn it on, and at the end of the year be like, well, you know, Marcus Simeon, every year he's going to give you 30, five to 40 homers and hit you know whatever and slash this and drive in a uh, hundred runs that's very because true because the, the season is so long that's very true and you hope that he starts to come along and then like you said you got to give him the benefit of the doubt he's been doing this long enough 
where that would be the hope. I think probably the most surprising thing about this Rangers team, because we figured offensively, you know, when you add Seager and you you add Simeon, who we're talking about, you're hoping that you might get a little bit of a spark in your lineup. The question was going to be the pitching. Obviously, what Martin Perez is doing, nobody saw that coming. The dude has a 1.6 ERA in 56 innings. Now, they've only won three of his starts in his nine starts, but a 1.6 ERA, nobody thought Martin Perez would be pitching at that level. Dane Dunning has been okay. He's not been great. But I would say by far the biggest surprise, the Rangers' bullpen has actually been pretty damn good. And again, I think it's a case of where it started so slow that we're like, oh, they all suck. And I'm not apologizing for that, bro. Yeah, Y'all ain't got no track record with me. All I can say is your first impression was you weren't any good. And uh, given the history around here the last four or five years, I'm not blaming anybody who's late to the party. I'm, I'm literally not blaming anybody, including myself, who's late to the party. Um, but that being said, man, what they fill the back of the pool pen with? Power arms that can miss bats. Because if you can't hit it, bad things cannot happen. Somebody can't, can't find a hole. Somebody can't make an error. Nothing bad can happen if you don't hit it. And now they got some power arms back there. They're blowing some folks away. And the bullpen, man, you know, you can say all you want that uh, doesn't matter about if you got a closer. It's a bullpen by committee, blah, blah, blah. Dude, everybody wants a role. Everybody wants to know when to get ready, what to prepare for, how to prepare. And they got roles now because guys are pitching to it. Yeah, and, and their bullpen ERA is 12th in Major League Baseball, so way better than what it was originally. I think better than a lot of people thought it might be. Their starting rotation, when you include them in it, they have, they're have their smack dab average. They're 15th in Major League Baseball in team ERA, which is great because within the first couple of weeks, two, three weeks into the season, they were like 29th. So they have really improved here in the month of May. They've got a lot of positive momentum. It's going to be really interesting to see. Again, this is more what I thought we would get. I thought they had a chance to maybe hang around 500 a little bit and maybe win somewhere between 75 and 80 games. And if they could do that, that would be a colossal improvement from the last couple of years. Kind of give you something to grow on moving forward. And right now, that's kind of what we're talking about here, that they are on a pace where I don't think winning 75 games would be astronomical of a goal for them. Now, especially if you can do that, and this is big for me, man. You ain't got to rush none of the kids at AA Frisco here. Everybody can take their natural progression, and if you've really earned a spot, then, yeah, we'd, we'd be happy to have you. Or if injury presents an opportunity for you and you're deserving of it, yeah, we'd be happy to have you. And so if you can win without having to rush those kids up, further grooms them for success, and, you know, perhaps once they get here, will give you a five or six year window to really compete at the highest level. Like whew, the good old days we saw from like, you know, 10 to 15. Yeah. And another one of those things, as you look at this, the AL West is not going, I mean, obviously everybody thought Houston would win. I don't think anybody thought Seattle and especially Oakland would be as bad as they have been. And so that has kind of Bro. helped the Rangers a little bit. Seattle was picked by a lot of people as one of those dark horse type teams to maybe sneak into the playoffs and you look at this, they're eight games under 500. Oakland's 11 games under 500 after the Rangers took three or four of them in Oakland over Memorial Day weekend. Yeah, this is a tough set with Tampa because Tampa's one of the better teams in the American League. If you can split that, you've then got Seattle coming up. You've got Cleveland coming up. So 
you've got an opportunity here. I mean, Cleveland's four games under 500. You've got a chance where it's very, very possible that somewhere in the first week of June, this is a team that's hanging out over 500 a game or two. Yeah, I think it's, you know, baseball, man, I ain't breaking no news here. It's really just all about consistency. Can you figure out ways to be consistently who you are on a daily basis? And that goes for everybody, man, from pitchers to uh, to regular everyday players to the bullpen, all of it. Because if you can put the consistency together, that's how you win baseball. It's not about winning 10 in a row. It's about 5 out of 6, 7 out of 10, 6 out of 8. You know, all of that over the course of a season. And then that's when you look up and, and you say, oh, that's how we got to 20 games over 500. So for the Rangers, it's just about getting to 500. And if you can do that against Tampa, bro, because they're one of the best teams in the American League, then more power to you. Yeah, and it's, you know, baseball's gotten to be, it's one of those interesting things where, yeah, there, there will be a team like Atlanta last year who ends up surprising everybody. But you look around at the divisions, and it's basically the way we all thought they were going to go at the top. I mean, New York is winning the East. The Mets were supposed to be the best team in the NL East. They are by far the best team. The Brewers are easily the best team in the Central. The Dodgers and the Padres are sitting there atop the West. Houston was going to run away with the American League West. So it's baseball's gotten to that point now where it's these teams have like these five to six year windows where you know, okay, well, these two teams are going to be really good or th- these handful of teams. And then I think that's why they expanded the playoffs because that'll open it up to some of these teams that nobody expects and maybe a little bit more of a surprise down there. You know, some of those teams to sneak in like the Rangers, man, if you can get to 500 that you are competitive for a second wild card all season long. Um, I think and if they are, and we can be optimistic today, I think it's way too ahead to, uh, too early to look ahead to. Well, yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. Although you'd be surprised, local sports talk radio is all over town today. People talking about the Rangers in the playoffs. I was like, really? Okay. I hear you. Uh, and I get it. If you if you want to be excited about the Rangers, I'm not going to poop on you because uh, they are playing really. Yeah, don't good poop baseball. on us, shock. We don't want to be pooped on. <laughs> they are playing really good baseball, man. But um, you know, it's just I think I think they're aided by what you just said. Seattle ain't no good, and Oakland ain't no good right now. And as much as you play them, you can pick up some wins right there. Yeah, so we'll see how it goes. But, yeah, I mean, the Texas Rangers, I've only been able to see them a couple of times this year, but I'm obviously following along. And I do proudly wear my Texas Rangers hat around Birmingham. So uh, for those people who are looking at me, probably seeing that T on there and going, wow, that's a weird-looking Tennessee hat. It is, it is Texas Rangers. It's the, it's, I'm going to tell you, there's not a lot of Texas Rangers fans in, in Birmingham, Alabama that I have encountered. And when I say not a lot, I have yet to meet one. Is that the land of the uh, Atlanta Braves? It, oh, it is very hardcore, the land of the Atlanta Braves. Very, okay. very, very much so. All right, I feel you. As Anybody of, else? Uh, you see Cardinals have a little bit of a following here. Obviously, the Yankees. I mean, I know some Yankees fans, but it is, I would guess, it's 75% Braves. Whoa, okay. And then okay. outside of that, a spackling of others, and then point zero 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 one percent Rangers fans, and it's me. <laughs> I like I like that. I think that's probably about right. All right, there's the podcast for today. We will have another one dropping for you on Friday morning, so enjoy the next couple of days, and we will talk to all of you again very soon. 
Thanks for listening to the Jam Session Podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.